Hey guys, this is Colin from Blackjack Apprenticeship, and this is part two of my podcast interview with BJA member Grease Monkey. If you don't know Grease Monkey, he is someone that you could spend hours talking with about advantage play or life or maybe even Marie Kondo. So while he's not out there grinding at the tables every day, you're definitely going to enjoy hearing his take on advantage play and life and some of the uh, intersection of those things. I had a blast talking with him, and I hope you guys enjoy part two of our podcast interview. Awesome. Well, let's get into this. Uh, you're, you're calling it five from the forum, which was a great idea. Uh, and, you know, there were a lot of good questions on there and too, too many for us to, many more than five. And so what I decided to do is um, take this a, a direction and I kind of separated them in in my mind there there are things that are like bigger than blackjack and those are the ones we're going to focus on i picked five five of those and then the other ones that were also really good i'm just going to do a different podcast and just uh you know maybe i'll ask ask another ap to hop on with me but but answer these these questions that are a little bit more tactical or or strategic just to blackjack at the tables so uh with that being said the first one is from just dan who asked what's your greatest regret relating uh relating to your ap career yeah that's a good one i uh so i obviously don't know what you were gonna ask but i did <laughs> take a quick peek you know uh <laughs> you know before and i and i remember thinking oh god i bet colin's gonna ask me just dan's question just dan by the way also is phenomenal on the forum and um, yeah and was podcast. really influential yeah and his podcast and um yeah. Just, I've never met him in person, but um, just Dan, you are somebody that I read religiously uh, when I was first starting. So, thank you for that. Um, you know, I've never met him either, and I'm not sure if he really exists. But uh, really, it, it you know, it might be Nichols' second account, or no, I don't. I don't because know. we never see Nichols and Just Dan at the same time, that's, right? So that's it's right, probably that's that. Right. <laughs> uh, what's my biggest regret? Um, you know, I, I mean, for me. What I wish is that I had another hundred hours that I could have played. Um, mm. That's not really the same as what's my regret, you know. I, but I wish I could have done this for another hundred hours. Um, I regret if I ever, you know, let down my, you know, family, or if there was ever mm. any resentment um, from my wife, you know, or my kids for them getting sick because I got sick at a casino. Um, well, I certainly regret that. Um, and then, of course, I regret it because if I didn't get them sick, I'd probably still be playing because I wouldn't have <laughs> had this realization that uh, this is not in, in alignment. So yeah. um, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like um, I feel like when I went to play, I was prepared. I, uh, I felt like I didn't do it too early. I felt like I gave it my total attention when I was at the table. I felt like I was disciplined in that if I dropped the count, I would stop playing in the shoe. Um so I don't know if I have any regret outside of maybe those like emotional ones. Um, so I'm sorry to let you down, Justin, in my answer. <laughs> and I'm not going to answer that one because I didn't, I think I did an entire podcast uh, about that or, and maybe, and a video, I don't know. Um, but I, I think I had a, a list of them, at least five, five regrets or something like that. So people can check that out if they want my answer. Um, so moving on, and this one we might spend uh, kind of a considerable amount of time on if if uh, if that's all right because 
I think this is a really important question, and and it, I kind of merged a couple of people's questions, so we'll just get into it. But um, MPS, kind of Ann Nichols, um, were asking about how can card counting impact mental health? Uh, what can card counters do to protect their mental health? What danger signs should card counters seek to be aware of? And if observed, how should they work to counter? Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know if you had any thoughts on this, and then I can get into my thoughts too. Sure. Um, I mean, it, it could go in a lot of directions. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, um, I've been around addicts my entire life. Um, so I'm certainly like aware of uh, what addictive behavior looks like. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, at a high level, I'd say, um, or at the most obvious black and white level, you know, if you're not doing a good job at your job, because you're gambling, uh, you know, or card counting, um, and or if you're not spending time with family members, and they're making you aware of the fact that you mm. are being negligent, uh, you probably have a problem. Mm. Um, I mean, there's a you could go to Gamblers Anonymous and yeah. uh, and go through that, you know, ten or fifteen questions, and I, and I, and I think it's actually a really smart thing to do. Uh, and yeah. you know, self reflection is is not bad. Uh, I would say this personally. My personal experience, and it's something that I didn't like about card counting, is that the, the lens through which I was living life altered slightly where I was just thinking about it a lot, like, mm. which means I wasn't thinking about other things. Like, I wasn't thinking about other creative things or maybe something I could do for something else. I would say that, um, like, you know, if you're driving in a car and you're using your headlights, well, the headlight beam was narrowing. Uh, and so what I was seeing and where the headlights were pointed were probably a little bit too focused on blackjack, um, which means that I didn't have room for other, other things or other opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, that, that almost probably sounds a little too drastic, but um, maybe the best way to say it is like, if you're grocery shopping, you should be thinking about grocery shopping. If you're watching a movie, you should be watching the movie. Um, and I would say that, you know, I was probably watching a movie, but still kind of in the back of my head going through deviations or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so there were times where it was taking me out of the present moment. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's not how I want to live my life. I want to live my life in the present moment. Um, so does that help? Or is that yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that to me, it, uh, what that actually reminds me of is there was a season, um, I think our kid, our first couple of kids were really pretty young. And my wife, Grace is like, Hey, you're always like checking email or, or whatever, it, like in the, in the evening. And, uh, it had nothing to do with, with blackjack. It was just like a sign of workaholism, you know, like a sign yeah. that I couldn't shut it off or, or I didn't want to shut it off. Um, and, uh, you know, so I don't know, I made some rules, like I don't check email after five o'clock or something like that or whatever. Um, and it, sometimes it's not always that easy. It's like, oh yeah, I'm doing way better not checking email. And then, and then other times I'm, you know, checking, checking more and, and it, that can be a good indication of like, oh, well, what else is going on? Am I like stressed out? And so I'm medicating by whatever checking email or, or, uh, social media or whatever that thing is. but. Um, yeah, card count. I mean, like workaholism as a card counter can absolutely be a thing, or or just yeah, using it as as a distraction. Um, 
I actually threw this, I, I have my own thoughts, but I threw this out to RX Gamble, um, who I respect a lot as, I mean, gosh, I played professionally for a few years and then ran teams for twice as long as that, you know, like six or seven years, and then worked on Blackjack Apprenticeship. So at this point, I feel like more of a wannabe than RX Gamble, who's like made a living playing that whole time, you know, when I'd kind of moved on to running teams and then during Blackjack Apprenticeship. And so she's been doing this for a lot longer and and is networked with people that have been doing this for, yeah, close to 20 years. And uh, I just asked her about this because, I mean, she's networked with professional poker players um, and, uh, you know, some of this, it even has to do with like losses. Well, poker players, they have losing years fairly regularly, you know, depending on if they're just playing tournaments or whatever. They, I remember talking to um, Andy Block, who who was a part of early MIT blackjack teams and they was a poker player for a while. And he's like, oh yeah, uh, I've had a losing year this year and last year, but then I won this tournament the year before that. And like, between that and sponsorships, yeah, I make money. But anyway, all, all that to say, she's networked with all sorts of professional gamblers. And a few things she she said, she sent me an email with, with her thoughts, which I thought was really cool of her. She said, values, when the only way to keep score in life is money, it makes everything else unexciting. And so I think, you know, um, it can impact your mental health if if your only value in life is money. Um she she talked about um I'll try to summarize it, but as a if you're gambling for a living, you know, advantage player, whatever you want to call it, like the only other people that really understand are other gamblers. And so then that's who you have to talk to or to keep it to yourself. Um so I'll I'll circle back around to that. Um the game uh, another she said the game within the game makes you feel view life as one big con. And I don't know if you felt that. We started like how do we game Chipotle? You know, we had like our hack for how, oh yeah, you asked for extra beans and double rice. And, and then you're like getting this massive burrito for, you know, whatever, eight bucks. And then you split it up and it feeds the whole family. Or we had these weird hacks for that stuff. It's like, at some point, you know, not all of life is, is a con. Um, I agree. That's great. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh. We had all, all these things. And I looked back, it was like, yeah, there was some fun in it. And some of it was like, wow, are we this cheap? Or is it just that we have to advantage play everything in life? Um, another, she said, it's hard to relate to the outside world. That when you've been a pro for long enough, like how do you relate to your friend's mundane nine to five, you know, kind of boring existence when you're living this? And and that can uh, create isolation. And then uh, the last one she said is... Uh, Gamblers often have a monetary goal and that's it. So there's total tunnel tunnel vision. And you could spend yes. years working to this one goal and then either you don't hit it or you hit it, but you, you know, she says you blink and you spent several years, a decade of your life isolated. It makes it much harder to acclimate to everyday life if you even want to. So I thought that was really helpful uh, from her and, you know, I know I've been talking for a long time, but but I want to share my my thoughts too, which is like really the big three things I think can impact a card carrier's mental health are losing, backoffs, and loneliness are the three, you know, like losing. And I was I was trying to think, you know, there's professional athletes that, you know, yeah, maybe they never in their entire they they eke out this baseball career for several seasons, but never get above like a 
230 batting average. Like that's got to be just tough, you know? Um, or po- yeah. poker professional poker players, you know, that lose like card carriers lose almost as much or as long of streaks as, as uh, winning players, um, the back offs, you know, the rejection, the like, great. Now I've got to move on again. The loneliness, um, you know, I think the, the danger signs are probably just how you're feeling. And like you said, how you're acting in general, if you're isolating yourself, if you're finding yourself angry or depressed or like, like you said, solely focused on work, that workaholism thing. Um, and I think the big way it goes back to what you said earlier, which is like, can you step back and analyze if this is getting in the way of the other goals in your life? Um, and have, you know, like you did have the courage to say, ah, this, this is getting in the way. Um, I think you and I are, are similar that we tend to see card carrying as a tool, you know, like it's, it's a tool that can potentially help you further, you know, the other more important things in your life. And if it does, I think that's great. But if it doesn't, you know, put the tool on the shelf, maybe, maybe forever, maybe for a short period of time, who knows? But I think people can kind of get stuck in a rut and say, this is what I set out to do. This is the only thing, you know, I can do. Or, you know, I don't want to quit my AP career, not at an all-time high, which is going to be hard to do, you know? Um, I mean, to me, what the conversation that that kind of a person has to have with himself is, look what I accomplished learning how to count cards and doing this AP life. I can do anything I set my mind to, yeah. as opposed to, uh, oh, look what's being taken away from me or, or whatever. It's like, mm. the, it goes back to that internal dialogue. It's, it's like how you position it in your mm. mind. So to me, card counting, I mean, I, I'm not like a cocky person. I'm, I'm like pretty humble. Although I've had this, you know, business for, you know, two decades and, and we do great. And, you know, I'm super thankful. And, and, you know, I always hate talking about that because it's like, my life's not perfect. I got problems just like everybody else. Um, but you know, it's kind of like card counting was like, Oh, I did it. This is like a feather in my cap. This gives me more Mm. confidence to go do more things in life. Um, because look at what I learned from scratch and wow, I'm writing and people are resonating on the forum with what I'm writing and somebody, you know, invested 50 grand in me and, oh, and I got to travel all around and generated EV and some AV. And, um, so if anything, it should be, it should be like a game changer where it's like, I can do anything I want to do. Mm. Not, um, not like this is the only thing I can do, Yeah. but I think it's really easy to get hooked on. Well, this is the only way I can make a hundred dollars an hour, you know, yeah. or, and, yeah. and that's where it gets dangerous. And I think if you decide like, okay, this is the best option for me, it it really, you have to understand that that these extrinsic values don't provide happiness. So, you know, this goes back to that book, Tribe, that we're, uh, we both read and really enjoyed. And when I read that, I was, you know, there's there's these studies and um, that, what, what was it? It was... Um, Oh, that's right. They they did this this survey. I, I wrote this down. And I thought it was really interesting. They did a survey of more than six thousand lawyers and found that conventional success had zero correlation with their levels of happiness and well being. Um, and uh, you know, if you're pursuing AP just for the money and you think that's going to make you happy, like it's it's going to fall short. Um, yeah. But if we use the work we do you know, to live 
these holistic lives and pursue something more meaningful, a connection with others, then you know the money helps helps us reach that goal rather than the money being the goal. Um, and that's it was cool to hear. You know, you say that, and Rx Gamble say that, and you know, because that's what I I was thinking also. Um, yeah, I was thinking about the people that I I admire um, in the AP world that have had this sustained careers at card counting or advantage play. And for those people, the, the advantage play isn't the goal of their life. You know, like you have to do it to a level of excellence to to do it. But but those people are they're grounded on something outside of advantage play, you know, maybe it's family or maybe it's, you know, friendship or maybe it's music, maybe it's their faith, whatever. But, you know, if, if you're solely grounded in advantage play, it's, it's going to be really isolating. And yeah, I think you are going to realize like, oh, wow, this, I remember a guy saying like, oh, well, it's all just scorekeeping. And I was like, really? You know, I was saying, like, why are you still doing this after all these years and all this money you've made? He's like, well, this is how we keep scores. Like, really? That's that's kind of kind of sad to me. But you know, if if you've got, if you could do advantage play in a way that helps you pursue those other goals, you know, um, I think you're gonna be be a lot a lot happier. Um, and going back to the ice, I think the last thing I was thinking of is the isolation thing. And that book tribe talked a lot about this because it talked about uh, survivors of wars or epidemics. And what they found is that a lot of them were happier during wartime or during, during the epidemic. Uh, this was the quote I pulled out. It says, what people miss presumably isn't danger or loss, but the unity, the unity of these things, uh, often, the unity that these things often engender. Uh, there's obvious stresses on a person in a group, but there may be even greater stresses on a person in isolation. So during disasters, there's a net gain in well-being. Um, and so kind of the takeaway is like, man, we're made for to be on a mission, like like to to pursue something and to do that in community. And we have this really individualistic Western world. And the the APs that I've seen that are isolated, man, it more often than not, it doesn't feel like they end up in a better place five, 10 years down the road. Um, and w- one of the other interesting things they found in this book was that people that came back from war, um, they had a way lower PTSD um, if, or, or even like not measurable PTSD if when they came back, they had mission and community. Like they got plugged back in. They they had a purpose because what would happen is people come back, you know, to the U.S. from war and have nothing to do. You know, not even jobs. Um, and back at the war, they had something that they were doing. And so, you know, I was thinking about that for for card counters, and that's like, what what's the thing grounding you? And who are the people you know that that uh, that can hear your stories? Um, that was one of the things I said, like, man, these, these veterans that come back, they need people that can hear their story, the good, the bad, the ugly, like all of it. Um, so as an AP, as far as this mental health thing, like you don't want to be isolated. You need community. I think both inside and outside the AP world, you need the people that you could tell the story about that awful loss. And they're not gonna be like, Oh, I think you have a gambling problem. Like they understand it and they can hear it and be like, dude, that sucks. Like empathy is so healing. (laughs) Um, yep. but then maybe some people outside the AP world so that your whole life isn't talking about like generating that next dollar of EV or whatever. Well, I feel like, you know, if you, um, if you're going to play, um, 
you know, if you play blackjack in a, in a city that has like a really good art museum, go to the art museum, Hell you know, yeah. it's like, like do something here's what an opportunity traveling the country and you're not even seeing the country why not go take in some of the local flavor you know and or if you're in the south and there's killer barbecue or there's a whiskey tour or whatever your thing is right um it could be the louisville uh i mean i don't know if there's any casinos in louisville but like you know you could go to the the louisville bat there is okay you go to the louisville bat manufacturing plant you know it's like go do something outside of card county because it's enriching um and and you're kind of missing this chance you know, yes. you don't have to be that that person. So I remember uh, really early on, like one of the first blackjack trips I went on uh, was me and my first two. You know, it was our three man team, and we went up to Vancouver, BC, and they had they had pretty decent games back then. And we went, we played like all day for two days. And on the way back, we went to a water a water slide place. You know, we put our bank girl in like the little locker thing. <laughs> Oh my god! Our, and we have the the key on our on our wrist or whatever, um, and, and we're like going down water slides. You know, a couple like three twenty four year old dudes just doing some water slides because it was like, yeah, you got to do some some have some other experiences. Go see yeah. some national parks or or whatever it is. Totally. Um, yeah. So have community inside outside of AP World and, and some things that ground you uh, outside of this job. And, and the last thing I'd say is. Um, you know, diet, exercise, sleep. Like, I, I think I said this recently, but reading Burning Down the Tables, the last third of the book is like his supplements and sleep schedule and showering schedule. And I was like, what a weirdo. And now that I'm, you know, in my 40s, I'm like, yeah, he was talking about how to have a sustained career. You can't like do this off of adrenaline and, you know, right. en- energy drinks long term, or you're going to be like super unhealthy. To that point, if, if I was going away for a weekend on a trip, it was like, I have to stay up as many hours as I possibly can mm-hmm. because I only have the weekend or a long yeah. weekend to get mm-hmm. in these hours. And then I'm back to the regular rigmarole, you know? So um, that's not the way to do it <laughs> um, because, you know, as you said, the, at, at some point the adrenaline dies down and your immune system goes um, to crap. And, yeah. you know, um, I mean, really, if you want to be healthy, diet and exercise. It is so simple, but it's true. And I'm saying this um, not to be annoying because nobody wants to hear (laughs) it, but it's like, but it's really true. And it's very, very hard if you're on the road, like you have to proactively say, okay, I'm Mm going to go to the gym and get on the treadmill or yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm going to skip, you know, the, the the happy meal or, you know, whatever, Uh, you know, the burger and I'm going to get a salad and and be proactive in in those ways. So they're all, you know, with some of these, uh, guys that are playing full-time right now they're they're getting um oculus there are some games that you can do in your hotel room that you are going to get your heart rate like i'm sweating my face off after three minutes of like the oculus boxing game um wow so man if you have 15 minutes you can like really get get some exercise and you don't have to go find a gym or or whatever i thought i thought that was a kind of a cool pro tip but what, one other thing i'll add to that is i i listened to this book a while ago called uh digital minimalism and he he talks about like our our we didn't evolve to have two-dimensional rest like like looking at a screen um we're made for three-dimensional rest and that like three-dimensional rest is like you're actually 
using your hands for for something. So it could be like a puzzle or playing a game. Uh, it could be woodworking. It could be playing a musical instrument. You know, those things actually have been proven to actually produce more rest to your body than like sitting and scrolling on a phone or or watching, you know, binge watching TV shows. And it's like, I like, you know, watching a TV show as much as the next guy, but, but you're not going to get the same kind of rest. So I'd encourage people to find some area, uh, some way in life, they have some three-dimensional rest. Um, the last, last thing I'd say is counseling. You know, if you're finding that you're angry and, or depressed or, or just like, you know, in a rut, uh, counseling has, has had a profound impact on myself and my wife. So there's me too. a lot of, a lot of my thoughts and, uh, and grease monkeys thoughts and some of Rx Gamble's thoughts on like pursuing mental health, which, you know, this could have been its own whole podcast. Sassy Red and I did a podcast about some of this stuff too. So Bill can go back and listen to that. So, um, Sassy Red asks, what was your best day, not necessarily best money, uh, but best day as an AP and what was your worst? So maybe start with your, your worst and then, and then tell us about your best and then I'll do the same. Okay. Um, I mean, I think the worst for me in terms of like, you know, like emotionally how I felt yeah. was, I mean, I, you know, like I go on this trip with Johnny 2332, we're up big in the bankroll we're close to closing the bankroll. It's a big goal for both of us. You know, we're super pumped and um, just, you know, it, it's regardless of what I write about, like how mentally we should be approaching these things, um, you know, just like dropping like six or seven grand in like a four or five hour period um, after a five hour car ride um, was just brutal. You know, um, I mean, that, 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 that felt really bad. Um, and then to top it off, we were in wherever we were, I guess it must've been like somewhere near San Diego. It was the same night as the Marines. Like they have like the, the Marines have like this big party every year to celebrate like the founding of the Marines or something like that. And, uh, we had just figured that we'd get comp to hotel room, uh, you know, at, you know, at one of these places. And, uh, cause you know, we're going up to like two by two fifty, and, you know, yeah. we think we're rock stars and, um, there's like literally no hotels in like within like, you know, 50 or 60 miles. I mean, it just sucked. And I mean, I think we ended up finding a place, the only place that we could find, it was like 250 bucks, you know, and you're just thinking, okay, how much EV is that between the two of us split? And yeah, I mean, so it, it I mean, the whole trip was fun and, and I embraced the moment, but uh, it felt like a low point at the time, but as I said, it's like, Hey, you kind of signed up for the the high points and the low points. Yeah. And, um, and that's, you know, you, you got to embrace all of it, but it hurt at the time, you know, it's like a baseball yeah. bat to the shins. <laughs> what about your, your best? Oh, well, the best, uh, um, is probably a trip that I was on with, uh, Sassy Red and, and Johnny two, three, three, two. And, you know, for like two days, we just kind of, tore up Las Vegas and, you know, ate well and laughed and, um, and played. And, uh, it's not necessarily that there was like one story, although some of it is captured in a, in a little post that I did, you know, years ago on the forum. So somebody should go find it and read it. Uh, but it was just a magical weekend of friendship and camaraderie and, 
winning a lot of money, which felt really good too, right? Even though I know that's completely anathema to what I just said before, which is like, don't get excited about your wins and don't get excited about your losses. Get a, you know, stay focused on EV. But yeah, it does feel really good when you win a, a whole bunch of money. And, um, you know, to feel like we had one up on all of Las Vegas for a weekend uh, was a great feeling, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and that was a really special. I mean, I'll remember that the rest of my life. That's awesome. Um, yeah, maybe we could put a link to that in the, in the show notes. Um, so I was thinking about this worst day or yeah, worst day, you know, a couple, couple came to mind. Um, I did a family road trip. My wife and I, we had four kids in the minivan. We went down to San Diego and back to Seattle. And the first day, um, in, I think one shoe, I dropped 10 grand and, um, and got backed off. And um, then I spent the whole rest of the road trip and our team was on, on a losing streak. And I really wanted to help, you know, I didn't play a lot at this point, but I wanted to, you know, really help dig us out, get some hours in, generate some EV and spent the rest of the trip playing, you know, another probably 40 hours and got, I was in the positive, you know, after all these hours, back offs, high limits, um, I'm in the positive and feeling good about the trip, we make one last stop um, in Southern Washington, go in there and drop 10 grand. <laughs> and, oh. and, and it was just like, ah, uh, it, it just felt like the whole bankroll, you know, it was like this microcosm of the whole bankroll where it's like, you know, one step forward, two steps back. And it was hard because, you know, we knew it, it was a way to combine family and, and work. And we had a lot of good times on the trip, but man, to get that loss right at the end was was uh, was a punch to the gut. Uh, another was it was more running the team, but um, there was a, a time at which uh, I had told a player that he we we're going to have to let him go. That um, it was a combination of of factors, but when I told him that he wasn't going to be staying on the team. Uh, he informed me that he his losses were larger than he had told us. Um, oh. He didn't want he didn't want the team to feel bad, and he figured it would turn around. And he'd just like you know add those losses when he'd had some wins, and so to his spreadsheet so that it didn't look so bad. But it, now that I was saying, hey, we gotta get the rest of your money instead of having you know fifty thousand, he had like fifteen thousand, and. Um, then to make things worse, when he said, okay, you know, it mistake I made is I should have already been prepared to have the money picked up right then. But um, he said, okay, well, you know, if you don't mind just waiting through the weekend so I could tell my family and close friends before you tell the team. And I said, sure, not a big deal. Um, well, he went out and tried to win back the money that he had lost with the remaining bankroll money. And of course, you know what happened. <laughs> He lost, he lost he lost more um and that the the thing that sucked about that was the the additional money he lost in i'd already fired him um that wasn't really like his money to be playing with at that point and so i personally covered it uh i didn't feel like it i didn't feel like investors signed up to have someone play after he'd been fired and the cool thing is end of the story the guy paid me back like the money they basically gambled with after being fired but that was a rough day that was like just a really rough because you know 
care about the guy. He was a friend. That was that was really hard. Uh, best That's brutal. <laughs> it was brutal. I don't think I've ever shared that story. But uh, yeah, that was man. That 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 was kind of like around the point where I'm like, you know what? I I think where I'm at with all these kids and you know like. I think I need to find something, you know, the, the blackjack apprenticeship stuff was, I could really focus on it. And it wasn't so emotionally draining at that, at that point, you know, it's like, how do I split my time between running this team and kids and, you know, uh, working on, working on blackjack apprenticeships. So I was like, you know what, not too long after that, I'm like, I'm just all in with blackjack apprenticeship. Um, best, uh, just kind of similar to yours, a, a trip with, um, with two of the early teammates, Jeff, and I call him Sammy in the book. And then like a high school friend, we're still good friends. His name is John. And the four of us, we went to to Arizona and we played for four days and we were just winning, but, but it was like constant little practical jokes and like lighthearted stuff and cramming into this tiny rental car, driving all over the place and splitting up and doing some team play. And just one of those like, this is what I signed up for, you know, traveling around with friends, beating these casinos, um, getting backed off, driving four hours to the next place, beating them. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Also first trip with Loudon often, which was maybe three years ago. So he played, he'd been on the team. I'd never done a trip with him. And then we do this trip together a few years ago and he's a slave driver. He's like, we got to get in more hours, but, uh, but we were having a blast, um, you know. Just, just uh, it had been a while since he and I played, and and to do that together was was a lot of fun. Kind of that camaraderie thing. Um, so those those are what come to mind. Thanks for asking, Sassy Red. Um, next question comes from Scott Chow, and so we got two left. It, this one's uh, pretty pretty deep. He says, "Is it possible to make the world a better place?" amidst full-time AP play. Um, he says philanthropy, reducing carbon emissions, community work, et cetera. Um, yeah, what, what do you think about this? I think you always have an opportunity, regardless of what you're doing, to make the world a better place. I mean, how we treat people, um, you were talking about empathy. Um, I would add kindness. Yeah. Um, kindness and empathy can be exhibited regardless of what you're doing. Um, and so when we exhibit those traits, we are making the world a better place. Um, it might not be, um, you know, it's not like feeding 10,000 children that um, aren't eating, but I'll tell you, I'm not doing that right now anyways. Um, although I'm generating wealth for songwriters and artists and, and whatever, and there's a multiplier effect that, that, that goes on there. But um, yeah, any, all of our actions, I mean, it's funny. I feel like the Dalai Lama here. I like, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know, uh, <laughs> but I think the answer is yes, because how we treat people affects the world. Um, and, and that branches out. Um, is it, I, I, there was a time that I had considered, okay, I'm going to donate 10% of my winnings, um, you know, because uh, that feels right. Um mm -hmm. But I didn't do it. I didn't. I didn't do it. <laughs> um, and um, because my wife wanted a, a new laptop, <laughs> so I, I guess I made the world a better place by employing more people that make laptops um, and design software. Um, so, but but um, I don't know. There's on the forum. There's been this debate about: Are you adding value to the world by being a card counter? Um, and I would say that to some degree. Uh, 
if you're just specifically talking about counting cards, like, I don't know how much that contributes to the world. Um, but if we're talking about holistically life and, um, how we interact with people and how we engage with people, then uh, I think you can build that into life no matter what you do. I would say that if you feel like you're not contributing um, to make the world a better place, um, then you can find some additional ways to to do that. I happen to know Scott uh, loves his family dearly, and uh, I think he's making the world a better place by mm. spending time with his his wife and kids and teaching them, uh, how to have a strong moral compass. Uh, and, uh, you know, that has nothing to do with card counting, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's tough. I, you know, it, I think every, it, if we go back to this theme of community, which is kind of turning into the theme of the podcast here. Um, and if we are talking about alignment in our life, well, even outside of card counting, we can carve out the time to donate time to, um, sheltering uh those who need shelter or feeding those that that are hungry or or whatever so i don't know if card counting specifically does it but uh it enables you to have more free time to pursue those things outside of card counting mm-hmm. yeah i mean I, I at the end of the day card counting is a hack you know advantage play is a hack you know it's finding a loophole I, i've used the analogy before it's like extreme couponing you know like if 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 like, does extreme couponing make the world a better place? In and of itself, I it's the same answer. Like, no, except for how you treat the people while you're doing this this activity. You know, like if you're treating the coworkers or the other customers with yeah kindness and empathy, then that that does something. But beyond it's like, well, why are you doing the extreme couponing? <laughs> it's for yeah. it's for how it plays into the bigger picture. And, you know, caring for others is, is really important to, to me and my wife. And, and we're trying to teach that to our kids. Um, and some of that's philanthropy. Some of it's, you know, yeah, community work or, or, or community building or things like that. Um, but it's really just how you're going to, how are you going to use, use your, your, your whole life? And here's the here's something tangentially related that drives me nuts on the forum. Um, people will say, I'm doing this because I want to take down the casino. No, you're not. You're doing it because you love it. I did it because I loved it. Like, let's not mix these, like, you know, higher moral ground. You're doing yeah. it because you love it. <laughs> yeah, and I just think we should just call it that. <laughs> If you just want to take that down the casinos, then like get enough people in your area to to vote to close casinos in your city, you know. Um, right. But otherwise, yeah, be honest. And like some of the fun is you know being David versus Goliath, but but uh, that's not all. That's not the only reason you're doing it. Um, right. Okay, here's our last question. This comes from Small Town Guy. He says, "I think it's important for you to give us three of your all-time favorite songs." Uh, it could include, but doesn't have to be limited to Lionel Richie. Okay. Yeah. And I do love Lionel Richie and I love the Commodores, but they, he doesn't make my top three. Um, but uh, cause if you saw my five from the forum posts, I like made some kind of Lionel Richie joke in the, in the thing. So that's where that came from. It's not like I'm obsessed with Lionel Richie and like I get off the podcast and immediately put on Lionel Richie music. And yeah. um, so I, I would say um, some of these songs were influential in terms of like, songwriting or learning about music. And some of them are just great songs because I was a teenager. Um, Mozart's Requiem 
is uh, by far, if I could only pick one piece of music to listen to, it would probably be that. Not only is it so beautiful, um, the, the, you know, it, it's orchestral and, and, the, and the choral arrangements, but the story behind it is so fascinating because Mozart wrote it on his deathbed. He knew wow. he was dying, right? And Requiem is music for death. Yeah. And uh, so he knew he was dying and he's writing it. And then he dies before he finishes it. And the guy that finishes it is his arch nemesis. So what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's like, it's just, how rich is that? You know? Uh, so Mozart's Requiem is, is a great one. Um, Yesterday by the Beatles, uh, yeah. the, um, in some ways it's so simple. And then those string arrangements done by George Martin are, are so beautiful. And, uh, you know, anybody can listen to that song. And even if you didn't know the title, you would know uh, through listening to it that it, it's called Yesterday. Um, and every, you know, even when my kids were seven years old, I would play it for them and they, they had this understanding of what it was about. Um, or, you know, they knew it was sad or, or um, there's just something, there's, there's something about that song that seems to resonate and connect. And there's that lightning in the bottle. Um, mm. So that, that would be my second one. And then the third one would be Plush by Stone Temple Pilots. Oh, um, yeah. Because uh, that song just rocks. I can sing it and it sounds great. Or I used to be able to sing it and it sounded great. Now I'm just, now I'm <laughs> not, not so much anymore. And, uh, and uh, it just holds a special place because um, I used to see Stone Temple Pilots live uh, quite a bit when I was growing up. And uh, it's, that, it's that special connection when you're an adolescent yeah. And uh, all of your emotions are heightened. And then there's yeah. this great song and you're in love with a girl and <laughs> they're at the concert with you. And, uh, you know, and, and all of that magic. Um, that song for me has always been like kind of one of those. Oh, I can't get out of the car until it's finished playing kind of a thing. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, going to, back to the Beatles. Um, I've never thought of myself as a big Beatles fan, but a number of years ago, my brother and I, I think I got comped tickets to Love which is the Cirque du Soleil show. In, oh, yeah. In and it's all done to Beatles songs. And, you know, this song's playing and there's people doing acrobatics to it. I'm like, oh, I love this song. And then the next song we play, like, oh, I love this song. And then, you know, you get through the hour-long thing of all Beatles songs. Maybe I, maybe I actually am a Beatles, a bigger Beatles fan than I realized. You're a secret Beatles fan. I mean, it would be way cooler to say that um, Radiohead is, you know, who shaped my musical career or whatever. <laughs> but, um, but it's not. It, it, you know, it's it probably started with the Beatles and uh, watching. Um, there used to be this show on TV called The Late Late Show with Bob Costas. I'm like really dating myself now. <laughs> and uh, and he had Paul McCartney on for like a week. And I happened to be like, you know, I was probably like in ninth grade when this happened or eighth grade. And I stayed up really really late. Um, probably because I was mad at my parents or my mom and my stepdad <laughs> or whatever. And then I watched it and it's the first time I'd seen that footage of like everybody at the airport waiting for the Beatles airplane yeah. to land and everybody screaming. And, uh, and I thought, oh my God, what is this? You know, and, yeah. and then it kind of went down this journey, you know, of, of a lifelong, you know, love of the Beatles. That's awesome. Well, I, I won't uh, bore people with my musical tastes uh, because it's probably a little obscure, but I will say this. I will belt out uh, Bohemian Rhapsody every time it's on. Uh, and you know what? My All my kids know it too. Like my 
five-year-old will be singing it. Uh, so kudos to my wife, Grace, for, you know, teaching our kids some, some uh, classic songs. Okay. That's our five for five, but, but I just wanted to, as we end this, you know, any final thoughts or advice you'd, you'd give any active or aspiring card counters or advantage players out there? Sure. Um, it costs time to learn this, but it's even costlier not to learn because you will guarantee lose all your money in the long run if you have a negative EV game. Um, so you have to put in the time and you have to aspire to be uh, as perfect as humanly possible. And we're not all perfect. If you read a lot of my forum posts, um, I'm the first to point a finger at myself at where I've messed up. Um, and there's no shame in making mistakes. We learn from our mistakes, yeah. right? So, but having said that, you must commit to excellence for every facet of this game. And I'm not just talking about the mechanics of learning yeah. how to count, but you certainly need that first. <laughs> yeah. um, but everything, you know, but everything that, that else that goes along um, with it. Um, without um, kind of like sounding like cocky or, uh, oh, go read this or go read that. Like, I do feel like I have contributed um, an enormous amount of time for like a body of work on, uh, on Blackjack Apprenticeship. And I know that it's um, positively affected a lot of people because I get these private, private DMs and, and people reaching out or they've told me in person. And, um, and so I think if you're relatively new, um, I would go back um, and, and do a search for some of the things that, um, that I've written I would also look, um, it, not just me, quite frankly. I mean, the um, JC Note, JC Note's yeah. written some amazing things, and Sassy Red has written some amazing things, and Nubs1983 has written some amazing things. And um, it's no secret to me that these, about why these people have been successful uh, mm. in AP life, um, ping pong as well. I mean, there's a whole bunch. It's like, it's, it's almost yeah. a bad idea to mention them because I don't want to leave somebody else, you know, out yeah. that then thinks, oh, God, well, how come he didn't mention me? Or, yeah. you know, but there are some really, really, really powerful lessons on the forum. And I think to go back and dig really, really deep into those posts uh, is the best way to get up the learning curve. You do not want to blow your wad before you are up high on the learning curve, um, because yeah. what's going to happen is you're going to understand card counting, but you're going to get backed off and you're not going to understand uh, maybe some of the fundamental reasons that backoffs happen, or um, you're uh, going to understand card counting, but you're not going to understand the relationship between bet spreads and NO and risk of ruin. And uh, you're going to lose your money because you're doing everything right, but you're doing it the wrong way. Um, right. So, so if you're, if you're, if you're new, go seek out some of these people on the forum that you're resonating with and read everything that they've written. Um, mm -hmm. and, if you do, you have a much higher probability of being successful with this. And, and lastly, I would say the most important thing that I ever wrote on the forum is that being an AP doesn't just take discipline. It is a discipline uh, in itself. And rather than explaining maybe what that means, if you're new on the site, why not think about that a little bit and then start a forum post on it and tell, you know, tell the community, well, what does this mean? To, what does this mean to me? And what does it mean to, what does it mean to you? Because what I'm trying to do is give you a opportunity 
to get active in the community if you're not active in the community, because this the community will help you so greatly. So what does it mean that uh, being an AP doesn't just take discipline, but it is a discipline? Go, go tell me your answer. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited for the for the discussion uh, that's going to follow from this. Thanks for taking so much time to to share your story, but also talk about these deeper things. Because at the end of the day, you know, advantage play comes and goes. You know, for for most people, it's not going to be what they do. Uh, and you know, I kind of hope it's not what defines people. Um, but uh, you know, I want people's lives to to be meaningful and um, and so it's it's cool talking about these uh, deeper deeper things, and hopefully people aren't bored listening to to us wax eloquently about about all this stuff. Uh, so thanks again for for taking the time and for the contributions you've made on the site uh, over the years. My pleasure, and uh, thanks for having me. I hope you guys enjoyed part two of my podcast interview with BJA member Grease Monkey. If you want to reach out to him, you can find him on the BJA forum. And if you don't have access to the BJA forum, you're missing out. I hope you guys have a great day and I will catch you all next time.